So what's the problem at the moment? Well, the fact is that we are tired, time poor teachers, right? There are really, really stressful circumstances happening every single day for all of you. Lots of us have brimming stress buckets just because of the job and exactly what it asks of us. It may be that at the moment we are leaning too much on one coping strategy. So that might be to manage and cope with that stress. We might be relying on food or we might be relying too heavily on exercise, actually, in some, you know, for some people. Um, it may be alcohol. You know, wine might be becoming a little bit more regular. It might be, I don't know, takeaways midweek that are cropping up because they are reactive and not accidental, but reactive uh, meals rather than sort of planned and intentional meals so some of these things might be cropping up we might be leaning a little bit too heavily on that one coping strategy we might be struggling with an all or nothing mindset around food which is hopefully something we are all working on or it is but hopefully you're seeing the changes when we use that spectrum mindset around foods knowing there is no such thing as a good or a bad food knowing that we all exists on a spectrum and we have some of the time foods and all the time foods if you wanted to put numbers on it, which can can and can't be helpful depending on the person, you might want to do an 80-20 split or a 90-10 split. We have 80% those whole foods where we are eating more optimally and maybe 20% less optimally, potentially. It also might be a matter of sort of self-worth and self-belief. Some of your past experiences, if you've seen, particularly if we're very, very stressed, I know a lot of you have got a lot going on in your personal lives. We may have found ourselves eating emotionally recently, and that might mean that our self-belief in our ability to use a different coping strategy might be low. Your past experiences, learned behaviours from family when you were growing up, your current uh, home environment, you know, other people in your family, um, your home environment when you were growing up even, you know, that might have sort of contributed to this. If you see someone who is an authority or even more powerfully, someone who's an authority who you really, really love and really care about using a certain strategy, you are much, much more likely to use that strategy yourself when you grow up. Now, we know that our brains, the habits and the wiring we have around the, around the age of about 35, these are pretty solid. You know, they're pretty well ingrained. Doesn't mean it's impossible to change them after that. Absolutely not. Neuroplasticity and rewiring the brain is always possible but around uh, about 35 or so it does start to solidify a bit more so if in an ideal world again i'm not saying i'm not saying oh you get past 35 don't care about it because i know for almost you know all of us here and um, that's not going to be useful I'm not saying that at all it's definitely possible but it does get a little bit more difficult and uh, as always that awareness is important if our expectation is this, this is going to be easy and suddenly it become comes out and it's very 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 difficult that that gap between expectation and reality, that's going to be the disappointment gap. So all I'm saying is expect this to be challenging, expect it to be difficult, because ultimately it will be, right? And the social influences, the colleagues you spend time with, if you've got a colleague who really leans on that donut every single Friday morning as their strategy to get them through the day, you are more likely, they say that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if that's you and that's your social environment, it's much more likely um, that you will feel pool so that's what the issue is that we're trying to solve those are some of the barriers that we're coming up against but like i said nonetheless it is it's possible it's possible to rewire these habits before we get into talking about emotional eating i want to quickly as i always do in this session because it's a very important distinction talk to you about binge eating so binge eating and overeating uh, or emotional eating they are not the same thing binge eating is very very specific it's its own entity and i'm not going to talk about binge eating at all today because 
when we go for that, we're going that more down the route of disordered eating tendencies or even towards an eating disorder. That's not what we're doing today. We're just talking about emotional eating. But it's important to touch on it because quite often I chat to people, you know, in the first few conversations, we've all we've all had that conversation and they'll sort of say, you know, I, I always find myself binging. And quite often when we say we find ourselves binging, we, we don't actually mean binging. We mean that we are emotional eating, stress eating comfort eating binge eating is very very specific and it's defined as eating an excessive amount of food in a way that feels out of control or actually distressing so in the moment you cannot stop yourself you know that you're doing it and it actually you're almost like um what's the word a fly on the wall right you can see yourself doing it and it feels quite distressing it's a, a utter loss of control um and that's obviously quite extreme and quite specific and it's usually categorized by one uh, by um, three sort of three of the following or more. So number one is eating rapidly, uh, much more rapidly than normal. Number two is eating until you feel uncomfortably full or sick. Number three is eating large amounts of food when not physically hungry. So they they say to have sort of three or more of these these um, conditions, I guess. To, to class it as a binge eating alone because of being embarrassed or by how much one is eating feeling disgusted with oneself depressed or guilty after overeating now you can see that some of those might actually resonate with you doesn't mean that that's a binge doesn't mean that's binge eating remember the way that it's defined um medically is by having three or more of those conditions met okay if you want to know more about this, just let me know in our one to one and I can, we can talk a little bit more about binge eating. But that is its own entity. And it's really important that we don't just sort of it's 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 um it's the same as lots. You know, we all do it. Right. We all throw around terms, things like, you know, we struggle to concentrate and straight away. We're like, oh, I'm just a bit ADHD or we like things neat entirely. And we say, oh, I'm just a bit OCD. So like, no, no, no. You, we, we can't throw these very weighty terms around unless in my opinion that we we know we are. I mean, we've you know, we've been diagnosed or something like that, because otherwise I can imagine I don't know I don't have any of these conditions but if you are someone for, with OCD for example I, and someone's you hear someone in the office going oh I'm a bit OCD like frivolous, frivolously if that's the word I can imagine that's a bit grating so we don't want to throw these terms around lightly we want to know what what terms we're using for a really really good reason but that's binge eating it's very very separate to emotional eating so what is emotional eating now we can kind of think about it as this cycle here we can Think of it as beginning with an overwhelming emotion. It might be boredom, it might be stress, it might be grief, it might be um, anxiety. There's lots and lots of different things it could be. We feed the emotion with food, okay? So we manage and we cope with that difficult emotion. We distract ourselves, we give ourselves that hit of dopamine in the brain, we give, give ourselves that comfort with the food. It, it temporarily soothes us. It's self-soothing, essentially. Then we experience a shame response. We feel this guilt, this shame, this regret around the food. And again, even little bits of this, you probably can think, actually, yeah, I do that sometimes. And again, lots of us emotional eat, and we're going to talk about what that means in a second. And then we go into this pay, uh, this um, phase after that of restriction or control. You know, we really, really over-restrict, or we have to have control over absolutely everything, and we can't have any flexibility. And primarily, but sometimes, sometimes, um, it's the other way but primarily this is driven by negative emotions so we we can use food to emotion you know positive for positive emotions and to celebrate things and you know we, we get promotion we got for a glass, few glasses of wine a pizza or something that's that that happens but primarily it's a negative association a negative emotion from it we get 
energy, satisfaction, enjoyment. Okay, it, it actually works. And this is the problem. Same as any other addiction, not that emotional eating addiction, but any other self-soothing mechanism, particularly addiction, it works temporarily. It works for a short period of time until it doesn't. If you think about alcohol, for example, it, it does, it works, it ticks the box, but then suddenly it doesn't. And then we go through a very similar spiral with something like alcohol. It could be queued up by chronic stress, poor sleep. We know that when we are very, very stressed, we experience higher hunger hormones or when we're very, very poorly slept. You know, we've got, had a couple of really crap nights sleep. We know that ghrelin, that hunger hormone that says, right, come on, ping, you're hungry, start eating. That is higher. And we know that when we're stressed, the hormone that helps us feel nice and full tends to be lower. Some people go the other way. Some people, it's the opposite, and they have no appetite at all when they're stressed. A lot of people, it is, you know, hunger goes up. You know, we can all probably, a lot of us can relate to that. Over-restriction has a very, very, very strong link with emotional eating. So if you're someone who does over-restrict and then you go to work and you get this, you know, very emotional um, safeguarding case, or you, you suddenly get put in, you know, put in charge of the school, the head and the deputy are out and suddenly, you know, you're just head of year five, but now you're running the show. Like th that's a huge, big dose of stress. For example, what happens is when we over restrict is we know that food value in our mind goes up. So if I'm no, I'm not allowed chocolate, no chocolate at all. Suddenly we want chocolate more. Chocolate seems like this holy grail of nutrition. And again, these coping strategies might be something that you've learned in, um, in childhood. Okay. Or your environments. Now I just want to quickly pause there because I've given you a lot of information in a very short period of time. Does that resonate with anyone? I know, hand, you know, chuck it in the chat. If you want to unmute, feel free to unmute. I know for a fact that I, in the past, have absolutely emotionally eaten, 100%. Probably loneliness and stress for me were probably some of the big ones. I, um, my ex-partner um, went to live in Africa for a year. Actually, ended up being two years, hence why the relationship ended. <laughs> um but in that first year when they were away um I essentially my parents had like a little sort of summer house it was a shed right down the bottom of the garden it's very posh to call it summer house it was a shed um but it was I had my bed in there and stuff it was quite nice um and I would go to come back from working in year six go down to the shed order a domino sit on my ps3 bear in mind at this point I'm like a 25 year old bloke right just sitting in my, a shed in my parents parents garden play in their ps3 it wasn't great and i can link that now back to what we're better understanding of this kind of stuff i know that i was very very lonely at that point didn't really most of my friends were living in london they'd all moved from from essex into the city come i come back from two years in thailand amazing two years on my own partners now in another country very very stressful job doing my first year of sats i, I clearly i was stressed and lonely so that's my sort of experience but I think we've all, you know, we can all resonate. Um, okay, so Lydia, you're one of the people that go the other way. So when you're really, really stressed, you don't eat at all. And um, definitely emotionally eat stress uh, from work and tiredness. Yeah, absolutely can relate to that. Can definitely relate to that. I think teaching is the enemy um, with this. Yeah, well-being being fixed by treats in the staff room. Oh, Mel, you've read my mind. Have you seen my social media posts? Um, yeah, absolutely. Donuts in the staff room that ain't well-being, is it? It's nice. Yeah, sure. But actually, when you put a lot of very highly palatable food, which isn't going to make people feel better, better for longer than 15 or so minutes, chuck that into a room full of stressed teachers. Oof, everyone's going to feel great for break time. 10 minutes before lunch, everyone's coming down. 
then everyone's walking around to the staff meeting at half past three like zombies right yeah probably not going to help every now and then obviously but if we're leaning on this to get us through the day absolutely handful of celebrations in the staff room and again a really quick tip that I have, we're not onto that bit yet but a really quick tip i want to give you when you feel pulled towards food ask yourself is this an intentional planned enjoyment of food or is this a reactive emotional quick grab do you sit and savor that food and enjoy the enjoy the moment like you're having a takeaway with a partner for example or are you at school just grabbing something because you, either you're not prepared or you're highly highly stressed or you just feel you need something something to pick you up and just knowing if it's either intentional or, or almost accidental just that distinction can tell you what what sort of things you're doing right it's really really powerful so stress something else that can cause this that is really important to talk about we didn't talk about this last time stuffing emotions so stuffing those emotions down grief anger Lots of these things, although Johnny will tell you soon, anger is a reaction to an emotion, I believe is how he phrases it. But stuffing these things down, stuffing it, they call it, you know, putting it down, trying to bury it never works. Always comes out. Sometimes it comes out in a slow, steady drip, drip, drip of a self-sabotaging behavior like like emotional eating. Sometimes it comes out in these big fits and starts. Right. You know, I'm sure we can all relate to that as well. Boredom feelings of emptiness so it doesn't need to necessarily be loneliness but it might be a lack of fulfillment in your life right particularly if you're alone you're not maybe not necessarily lonely lonely but you're just a bit what do I do and I notice this a lot in teachers because because of our job we can sometimes lose our other passions in life so you know we've if we got married or we've got a partner we've got a house we've got a home might or might not have kids but we're we're dedicating so much to our life and particularly as you sort of go through your 30s into your 40s I think you know even if you do or do not have a family I think as you go into your late 30s into your 40s you're also quite often climbing the ladder at school so school takes up more and more of your life and your Zumba class on a Saturday falls off and going to meet your friend in you know where they live every other month that falls off and all these little things that you used to do for you start to fall off a little bit and you can end up with actually not having many hobbies or passions or anything that you actually love other than your partner your family or whoever so I notice that when we don't have something to pour our creative and our, and our pa- uh, creative energy and our passion into we can come home and feel a bit empty feel a bit unfulfilled It's not necessarily loneliness, but it's almost like you haven't got something there that you are giving yourself to. And that might resonate with some of you. And if that's the case, what could you do? What could you fill that space with in your life? Because it may just be that something's missing and that's cool. But just recognizing it and starting to think, what could this be? So let's talk about building your own approach. Get really practical with this now. Um, Have I? Yeah, sorry. Now I've changed that one. Yeah, cool. That's the one I was thinking of. We have covered that, obviously. Brilliant. So um, building your own approach, then your approach to this, to emotional eating needs to be very, very individualized. Okay, coaching, discussion, exploration with me is absolutely paramount. It's not something that I'm going to give you a plaster for tonight and you're going to go away and it's going to fix it all. It takes compassion as always. It takes kindness. It takes zero judgment. And one of the trickiest things going back to that that um, cycle is that you have shame and guilt and then suddenly you're fueled background. That's the thing that pushes you back around again. So we need to step outside of ourselves, have compassion and say, actually, I've had a really, really bloody tough day. This has happened. This has happened. This person modeled this behavior to me for decades. It's okay that I do this right now. It's okay that this is my crutch. Now I'm aware of it. 
I can get accountability. Then I can accept what I can and can't change. And then I can go and take some action. But until you start with compassion and kindness, you're going to beat yourself up and it's not going to get any better. So that's really, really, really important with your own approach. Developing mindful awareness around the situation. Just acknowledging, which we're going to talk about in a second, when you are and aren't emotional eating, that is unbelievably powerful. Just to know, actually, okay, right now I am emotional eating. That was emotional eating. Awareness is the first step in behavior change, as we know. Building a wider range of coping strategies, which is the main thing I'm going to talk to you about today. Seeking support from people around you. You know, either people in the community, people at school, people at home. So getting the support from others. This is really important when you're building your approach and addressing any remaining black and white mindsets around food. And it may be that something like tracking calories is actually adding to this. And it's not very helpful right now. And remember, yes, if you're on a weight loss journey, you might want to see progress on the scale this week. I get that. I totally, totally do. But actually, if we zoom out and look at 2023 as a year, would you rather end 2023 with a more embedded emotional eating coping mechanism and a lower scale weight or would you rather maybe less scale weight loss but actually you started to work on these other areas of your health and well-being again take zooming out and taking that bigger picture look bigger picture view is really really important but going back and addressing some of those black and white mindsets so when it comes to choosing your approach to how you're going to deal with this that's what those are some of the things that we want to talk about now, before we move on to practical strategies, it's really important that we pin down what actually classes as emotional eating. We talked about binge eating. We talked about the emotional eating cycle. Now it's about actually pinning down what it means. So if it's hunger, hunger, so physical hunger, we call this stomach hunger, it will be slow and it will be gradual. You'll never just suddenly turn around and go, oh, I'm starving. Like, it won't happen. It will be slow and gradual. You might realize it in the moment, but it will build up slowly. Hunger is going to cause an empty or hollow feeling in your stomach. Okay. Emotional eating is, is up here. Hunger is down here. When you're hungry, you desire a typically a, a pretty balanced meal. You know, you, you'll, want a, you'll want food. If I came up to you with a chicken salad and you were super hungry, you, you, you'd, you'd tuck right into it. If I came up to you with a chicken salad when you're emotionally eating, you'd probably say no because it's not actual hunger. So when you are actually hungry, you'll desire more variety, not particulars, not specific foods. If you leave hunger for 10 to 15 minutes and come back to the sensation in your stomach, it's going to grow. And you might get to a point where your stomach actually gurgles. If you get really, really hungry, you might feel a little bit faint, and a little bit dizzy. So hunger is going to increase with time. You will be satisfied when your hunger cues are met. When you eat food, your stomach lining is going to shrink. And that's the main way that you're, you're, you're Tissue around your stomach sends those signals to say, cool, I've got food up. I've got food down here, <clears throat> right? You can stop eating now. That's why it takes sort of five to 15 minutes for those messages to be sent to the brain. So it will, once you've eaten, it will, it will pass. Fruits, veggies, all of these sort of things feel appealing when you're really hungry. A balanced meal feels appealing. I'm not saying that every time you get hungry, you're going to fancy a salad, but you know, if I offered you one, you'd be like, yes, please. I'm very hungry. Now, the opposite is true of all those things for emotion. So when the it's the emotional cues that are causing you to, hung, to, to, to eat, it's often not going to come with an empty feeling. Those, emo, those sensations of wanting to eat are going to be more up here in the brain than in the stomach. So it's going to be a very sudden and abrupt feeling. It's not going to be satisfied easily. It's going, you're going to find yourself eating more than if you are hungry, typically speaking. If you leave those cravings, which is one of the strategies we're going to talk about, and you were to move away from those, 
and distract yourself for 10, 15 minutes, those feelings would would would, would sort of um, fade as, as you distract yourself. Once the emotion passes, those feelings will fade. So totally the opposite to hunger. OK, it's usually also one or two, maybe three or four, really, but a small number of highly palatable foods. It might be ice cream, chocolate, certain type of cookies, crisps. There'll be something that you are drawn towards. And after eating, when it's emotional eating, you'll typically feel that guilt and that shame. You won't have that if you're just hungry and you have a balanced meal. So those are just some of the things to distinguish between hunger, hunger and emotional eating. So hunger to really hone in on what hunger is. You might when you're really hungry, you might experience headaches. You might have poor concentration. You might feel irritable in your stomach. It will present as an empty feeling, rumbling, maybe even pains, sorry, some gurgling. And then physically across your whole body, when you're really hungry, you might experience low energy, maybe tiredness. You might even get to the point where, like I said, you're a bit dizzy and you're a bit shaky. That's hunger. That's very, very different to emotional eating. So very important for us to distinguish those two. So here we go. Your very first strategy that I'm going to give you. When we come to emotional eating, we can talk about surfing these urges, right? Urges will swell and rise like waves. They're going to build an intensity. They're going to feel really, really, really tough. And then they're going to crash in on themselves. All we need to do is give you the time and the space mentally and physically to allow the wave to come over you and crash down. And then the sea will calm and you might have a couple of waves, but it will pass. And that's the thing about emotional eating. You can outlast it. It is going to pass. Right. So here's a um, five step. I've got to move something on my screen quickly. Here's a five step. Um, I don't think I can do that. We'll leave it as it is. I'll have to just remember this bit. Here's a five step strategy to surfing the urges of emotional eating. So number one, when you are triggered, notice that urge to really overconsume. Just just notice, you know, you might have just got home, sat down, put the telly on and suddenly there's nothing you want more in the world than a bag of cookies or a tub of ice cream or crisps or whatever it is or a glass of wine, whatever. Right. Whatever your thing is, you just notice it. Step one is always awareness. Just notice, okay, right now, I really, really want to go to the cupboard and there's nothing I want more in the world than, than, than this. And you know it, you can tell and you can note that it is emotional eating because of how sudden it is. Number two then is going to be to calm down your central nervous system because at the moment you're experiencing some kind of reaction, some kind of emotion. Do you remember from Monday we talked about the, um, Monday before we talked about the uh, negative thought maze and we talked about the limbic system of the brain and that sort of fight flight system and triggering you. I don't know if anyone was here or remembers that, but it means that the body is starting to heighten or is in a heightened state most of the time for most emotional eating. Sometimes it's loneliness, sometimes it's boredom, but stress, anxiety, and things like that, it's because you're heightened. So we need to calm down the central nervous system. So we could get you outside for some fresh air. We could change your environment. We could calm the central nervous system down with a few deep breaths, okay? Now I can't remember what it's called, um, but there's a type of breathing where you take a big deep breath in, and then you take another breath. So once you're at the top, you then take one more. And then you breathe out. Very hard to do when you're talking. But basically one big deep breath in. And then when you're sort of at the top, then you go for another breath and then breathe it out. I can't remember what it's called. I'll post it in the group later. Um, but it's a, it's a certain type of breathing that essentially you get more air and you open up more of your sort of diaphragm area kind of thing. So one big breath in. And then when you're at the top, one more. And then big, 
smooth breath out where you can kind of um, feel the, the breath escaping your lips. Okay. That's a really good one. Or box breathing, four seconds in, four hold, four seconds out, four hold. Hand breathing, belly breathing. There's lots of different ones, but calm your central nervous system. Then the third step of this. So notice when you're triggered, calm your central nervous system. Step number three is going to be to recognize it. It's not forever. Just to say, say it out loud if you have to. It's not forever. And I like to use the phrase, this too shall pass. I use it for a lot of different situations. It's going to pass. Right. I remember that time when I was out on the run and I thought my rest of my life was going to be Forrest Gump style and I was never going to get home. And the rest of my life I was going to be running. And it felt like this this run went on forever and ever and ever and ever. That's that happened. And I got home within 10 minutes and I'm now here not running. This emotion is going to pass as well. This emotional eating is going to pass. Think of a time where things have been so difficult. You felt like that was your new forever. That passed. This is going to pass. Every moment will pass. Okay. Fourth one then is going to continually remind yourself that it's temporary. So once you've told yourself, okay, this is going to pass, keep telling yourself it's going to pass. It's going to pass. It's fine. And now distract yourself. Last one, number five. So notice when you're triggered, calm yourself down in whatever way works for you. Tell yourself it's going to pass. Keep reminding yourself that it will pass. And then in the meantime, go and distract yourself. Distract yourself away from the urge really really powerful so talk to you about a time to talk to you about another very very practical strategy which you'll know before quickly going to um check in oh someone's had to dash off for quiet cool no worries you've probably already gone by now <laughs> so no worries uh, i can go either way oh i already read that one yeah yeah oh no sorry same same person saying there's a uh, different person saying the same thing i can go either way when i'm stressed sometimes i eat or i don't drink eat or eat or drink at all and sometimes i can just sit and eat everything inside absolutely and i wonder whether it's a different type of emotion <clears throat> in those two cases or i wonder whether it's a different environment sometimes when you're stressed but you're rushing around school you don't have time to stop you're not in the environment where that happens sometimes when you're at home and surrounded by your food and your comfort then it's more easy you almost get out of the stress state to a state of comfort and then you almost recognize oh, actually i want to emotionally eat now okay cool and then you go and do it right you, you almost like that stress has time to come to the surface when you stop and sometimes the hardest thing is when you actually slow down right when when you hit reach the holiday that's why you reach the holiday and we crash out sometimes sometimes reaching the point where actually you can slow these things bubble to the surface it's same as when we get home we're in our own environment we calm down and then it comes to the surface rather than when we're at school very very common so we're going to talk you through the three f's and i've probably spoken to you about this before uh, so I'm, I'm not going to spend ages on it but i want to give you some really practical things so the three f's are feel feed and find so let's talk about feel really quickly this is all about just noting how you're feeling same as what i just said just awareness noting how you're feeling before you emotionally eat okay so i want you to take five before you give into a craving and there's the thing that i tell you a lot go and grab the, the biscuits or whatever leave them on the counter take 10 steps back or well if you live in a mansion take five take, take one step back if you live in my kitchen take a few steps back so you're away from the food and just look at it think about what you're doing think about how you're feeling and just try to register the emotion that you are currently experiencing emotional eating tends to be automatic and virtually mindless okay so before you realize what you're doing you've already reached for the tub of ice cream you've already grabbed the biscuits polished off half a half a bag of crisps right but if you can take a moment to give yourself space remember the whole phrase of between stimulus and response there is a space and in that space is your 
ability to choose. Okay, so what we want to do is we feel this emotion, we feel this urge to eat. We might not even recognize the emotion yet before choosing to eat because it is a choice. Ultimately, we want to give ourselves as big a gap as possible, as, as big. Walk out the room, leave it, go for a walk, put some music on, change your environment, do whatever you need to go have a shower, clean your teeth, get dressed, whatever, whatever you got to do. Give yourself the gap. Okay, give yourself the space. But if you can take that moment to pause and reflect when you feel like you've been hit by a craving, you can give yourself the opportunity to make a different decision. OK, can you put it off for five minutes? Can you set a timer and just watch the 10 minutes go and then check in with how you're feeling? Start with one minute, even build it up one, two, three, four, five minutes. Don't tell yourself that you can't give in to the craving because that's going to make you want it more. Just tell yourself, I'm going to wait for a minute and then I'm going to go and enjoy that food. You might wait 30 seconds the first time. In two weeks time, you might be waiting five minutes between. And that's great because the likelihood is the longer the gap, the more likely you are to be able to pass that emotion and to move on, like I said. Okay, so really, really important. While you are waiting, as I said, check in with yourself. How am I feeling? Am I feeling hungry? So we use halt as, don't we? Halt as in stop, A-S. So am I feeling hungry? Am I angry about something? Am I lonely or bored? Am I tired? Am I anxious? Am I stressed? So check in, like we said, and try to clock onto that emotion. Try to note what the emotion is. Even if you end up eating, you'll have a better understanding of why you did it. And that can really help set you up for success to have a different response the next time. Okay. Next one is then feed. So you go and you enjoy that food. Afterwards, try and pause again. How has that food made me feel? How has enjoying that food fed my emotion? Has it made me feel more in control? Has it made me feel calmer? Has it made me, actually, was I just really hungry because I hadn't taken my lunch or whatever? Do I now feel satisfied? Likely likely not if it's, you know, a handful of chocolate, it's probably not going to hit the spot. But just check in. How do I feel? Do I feel less anxious because I'm now in control of this situation? Have I felt out of control all day? And I've got home to my space that I control and I can control what I do in this space. And so it's all about control. Maybe that's it. Maybe it just gives you a nice big hit of dopamine and you feel calmer because of it. It might feel like it's a, it's a treat. It's a reward for all the you know stuff you've been through. Then, all the stuff you've been through during the day. Try to note how your food helps because it does help. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. It helps temporarily. So we need to figure out why it helps. So then we want to find an alternative. OK, so we're getting really into this strategy here. I want you to think what is within your circle of control? If you are lonely, could you call someone that makes you feel better? Play with your dog, your cat, your hamster, your house rabbit, whatever. Could you look at a favorite photo or a cherished mem memento, cherished memory? Could you create a folder on your phone of really happy stuff that you go to? Is there a YouTube account? Um, I was about to say, is there a YouTuber? I don't think any of us here probably watch a, a specific YouTuber, to be honest. Um, I think I only use it for, for uh, music, to be honest. Um, but, you know, is there a YouTube video that's really inspiring or makes you feel happy or whatever it is? Is there something that can give you the thing that you are missing in that moment? If you're anxious, could you go and expend your nervous energy by dancing to your favourite song, singing to your favourite music, move yourself out of that environment where you feel anxious, go for a walk? podcast music whatever squeezing a stress ball right you might have a sounds bonkers but you might have a i don't know a uh what's the um 
the bat and ball on the string. What's that called? <laughs> I can't think and talk at the same time. Sorry. Whatever that's called, hit ball, whack ball, whatever. Could you, if you got that in the summer, could you go out and give that a bit of a go? Could you go and kick the ball around the garden? And I can imagine not, not many of us are, are big football fans, but you know, is there something that you can go and do? Can you go and do five minutes of Pilates, go for a workout, whatever, whatever it is. Can you do something? If you're feeling anxious, can you do something to expend some of that energy? If you're feeling a loss of control, could you go and get a handle on one task that's really making you feel a bit out of control? Could you send a message or an email to put yourself back in that state of control? What about give the living room a quick tidy up, quick sort out, go and take the bins out. Think what what house tasks have I got that are going to distract me and make me feel the way I want to feel right now? If you're absolutely knackered, what about treating yourself in a different way? Giving yourself a hot cup of tea, taking a bath, lighting some scented candles, wrap yourself in up, wrapping yourself up in a warm blanket. Something that is giving you the, the response that you get from food without the food. That's all we need to do. Because what we're doing is rather than having one crutch of food. We're building, we're basically adding more legs to our table. Remember the whole analogy of the IKEA flat pack furniture table? I haven't used that one for a while. By coming up with different strategies, we're essentially adding more strength to our table. Okay. Got loads of ideas, guys. If you're bored, why don't you read a good book? Watch something funny on the TV. Again, release those, um, those endorphins, release that serotonin, something really, really funny. Okay. Why don't you go out and explore outside? What about? starting to think about some of those passions and hobbies that maybe you had 10 20 years ago could you start bringing those back into your life is there something you could bring back in to have that when you do get home and you do stop work you've got something to pour your passion into that could really work woodworking i don't know throwing that out there crochet guitar whatever something that you actually do love because it may be that you're missing as we say that lack of fulfillment that that emptiness feeling might not be loneliness but it might be related to to something lacking and that's really important hey i'm going to pause there because we're kind of 41 minutes now um i know it's about 35 since we started the session but i just want to take a quick second and um check in with you all and there's a lot of information all at once tonight but how is that resonating so far does any of this connect with you just give me a thumbs up in the chat a, a thumbs down a yes or no does any of this sort of connect with you, resonate with you? Am I on the right track here or am I completely not making sense? Give me a bit of a um, bit of a message. Um, might not go and kick a ball around, but I'd definitely pop into the garden for five minutes. Absolutely. Go around, give things a little bit of a trim, you know, pick some, oh, you can tell I'm not a gardener, pick some <laughs> buds off the roses. I don't know, whatever, you know, to give it a bit of a tidy up. Something like that. You're outside, you've got fresh air, you've got space. A change of scene is absolutely incredible for this kind of stuff. Awesome. 100% thumbs up. Okay, right. I'm going to crack on them. So this gets to some more really, really practical bits and bobs. Practical eating skills. These are things that we are never taught at school. I don't remember any of my any of my parents. I've got loads. I don't remember either of my parents teaching me this. I don't. I didn't know any of this until I was an adult. Okay. And I definitely didn't put any of this in place. So really, really important. Eating mindfully as much as you can. So doing anything mindfully means just, just focusing your attention on that thing. So if you're coloring mindfully, you're just coloring. You're not coloring on the phone and watching Netflix. If you're going out for a walk mindfully, you're going out, you're thinking about your feet, you're thinking about the sights and the smells and the sounds. So eating mindfully is the same. You're thinking about how much you're chewing, the taste, the texture, the warmth, the spice, the salt. You're really, and it sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Because we don't do that. 
we don't really eat and go and really unless you're a bit of a foodie and you know it's something in common you've got with a friend or whatever we just eat to fill ourselves up we don't think about our food but if you can eat mindfully it's gonna make you really really conscious it's gonna slow you down which is a really really big thing serving up yourself a balanced meal with protein veggies and fruits carbs and then healthy fats in that order remember what about this one putting your fork down between bites can't i had a meal tonight and what to have oh yeah it was a great one it's fish fingers and chips like, like i was 10 i loved it it's brilliant um and i don't think i put my fork down in that whole meal and you when you think about it that means i've been constantly eating for like 10 15 minutes if i was to slow down i'm sure i would be much more much more satiated after that meal okay so put your fork knife and fork down between bites as you're eating think about your stomach filling think about your hunger signals and how those are starting to change okay right i'm about halfway through my meal now looking at the plate actually yeah i'm starting to feel hung, uh, full i'm starting to feel like my hunger's going a little bit eat until you're about 80 percent full or eat 80 percent of your meal and then give yourself five ten minutes let your hunger signals do their work especially between finishing your meal and going and grabbing um dessert or afters or whatever sweet whatever you call it where you are okay before grabbing the, se the second part Give yourself time and space. Drink water as you're eating as well. That's a really, really easy one to put in place. Slowly build these little habits up as you are having dinner for the next two to four weeks. Add one in each week. Try to make it habitual. And you're going to forget. It's cool. It's absolutely fine. And if you want me to, I can start to add these things to your habit trackers as well. It's really easy to do. Just let me know if you want one of these on. For example, drink a glass of water with each meal. Pause uh, or eat to 80% full. or Put your fork, knife and fork down between bites. If you want me to add any of these things to your habit trackers, then we can do that. But I just want to give you some really practical tips because by managing our hunger, we can also impact that part. It's essentially stacking the odds in our favor when it comes to emotional eating. So final slide then, I believe. Yes, it is. Let's just say you have overeaten. Okay, it's happened. You have overeaten. First thing to do is to note the emotion that you are feeling. So you might have just overeaten or emotionally eaten, and you might likely be feeling guilt or shame or even restrictive thoughts. OK, I want you to pause and think back just before I ate. What was I feeling? Where was I? How was my day been? What have I experienced? Had I just got off the phone to someone who had just given me some bad news or given me, you know, another piece of work to do? Have I just had a bit of a disagreement with, with someone? Had I just come home and, you know, everyone else is out. I've just come home and it's the day that everyone else is out doing, doing their stuff and I'm just on my own. Just try to note the situation, the environment, how you're feeling, because then you can get a bit of understanding. And again, kindness and compassion. If you've just gone and overeaten, the, the worst thing we can do is beat, beat ourselves up for it. It's in the past. You can't change that. That's done now. So we need to face the facts of what's happened and why. Learn any lessons that we can learn. And sometimes there might not be lessons. And then focus on the future to move ourselves forward. Because at the end of the day, that's all we can do. We can only look to the future. We can't change what has been. Okay. So notice where the thoughts are coming from. Okay. Is it from your lived experience? Is it something, like I say, that's happened uh, recently? Try to label your thoughts as 
helpful, supportive thoughts and unsupportive thoughts. For example, if you're feeling a lot of guilt and shame around having just eaten something, you can sort of you know, label that thought. OK, the thought is you shouldn't have done that. Well, that's that's unsupportive. See you later. Let it go like a balloon. Then you might have a quite a supportive thought. Of, okay, why don't you go out for a walk now to clear your head? Okay, that's a supportive thought. Let's hang on to that one a little bit and use it to pull ourselves up a bit. So as these thoughts come in after you've overeaten, just, and again, this is very difficult in the moment. I'm not saying any of what we talked about tonight is easy. It's not. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't bother talking about it if this was easy, right? But just in the moment, try to say that's either helpful or unhelpful, supportive or unsupportive. And if it's unsupportive, let it go. If it's supportive, try to hold on to it and stick with that thought keep on that keep on that path really powerful if kareen i just saw your name first if um i came to ukraine and said like look i've just had a, i've had a day i've gone home and I've, I've done this again i can't believe it what am i like i've just failed again i can't do it what would kareen say to me because she definitely wouldn't say my what i would have said to me would she there you are. I can see you now. She wouldn't come. She wouldn't come to me and say, you know, oh, Charlie, what have you done? That's ridiculous. Oh, you, you, you mumpty, you numpty. That's what I'm looking for. You wouldn't. And yet when we have these experiences, that's how we speak to ourselves. We say things like I'm failure. I've done it again. I can't believe this. What am I like? If a friend came to you and said that you would not speak to them in that way. And I mean, you can apply that to many situations in your life, probably. But keeping it about emotional eating, talk to yourself as you would a friend. Imagine your most loved, cherished friend, person, family member comes to you with the same situation you're facing. What would you say to them? And bloody listen to yourself. Take it on board. Imagine you're talking to a friend, okay? Imagine you're talking to a friend. So remind yourself as well of actions that you've taken previously that have worked. Remind yourself of the things you have done, your successes, your wins, the amount of times you've overcome this struggle. You are going to, I'm not going to say the word fail because it's not a failure. You are going to hit a bump every now and then. You are human. You can't expect to go through the next 40, 50, 60 years and never have something tricky happen again. We would be wildly ignorant if we expected that. No one can promise you that. You're You're going to emotionally eat in the next 50 years. Of course you are. But if we can make it a minimal thing, something that happens far less often than it doesn't, then that's positive. Remind yourself of all the things you've done, all the successes you've had, all the challenges you've overcome. Okay. And then sounds very, very obvious, but just go back to your usual, go back to your usual habits. Maybe clear, clear the environment, get yourself out. Like we said, music, clean your teeth, have a shower, have a bath, read a book, change of environment, do something to, to wipe the slate clean in your mind, right? New, new perspective. Okay. Almost open the curtains on yourself a little bit. But then go back to the normal foundations. It may be the next day you don't want to track your calories if you are. But how about we just focus on fruit and veggies and get enough water tomorrow? Just go back to those small little things. And it might be worth, if you've, if you've really gone for it, it might be worth just maybe avoiding the scales for a few days. Because right now that might not be supportive. It might make you feel worse and it might compound the emotions you're currently feeling, the guilt, the shame. And it might, like we said, that's the fuel of that cycle. If you have more guilt and shame because you step on the scales, you're going to fuel that cycle even more. And right now that might be really, really unhelpful. Like I said, learn to face the facts of what's been, which is hard. The acceptance is hard. Learn the lesson from what you can. Take any lesson you can. And you might not be able to realize that lesson until a week later because you're in a heightened state. And that's cool. 
But when you can, go back to the situation, learn the lesson and use that to move forward, not as a reason to stay where you are and stay stuck. Focus on the future. Again, final thing I'm going to say tonight, focus on what is within your circle of control, your thoughts, your actions, how you respond, not what other people say, not what other people do. Not what's been in the past, not what's coming up in the future. None of that. You can't change any of that. Focus on you in this moment. What can you do? And then that will give you all the power you need. Yeah, 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 yeah.